You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I think maybe the the charm about Convent is that uh, none of us has gone to like music college. Uh, of course, we've had uh, lessons in um, various forms uh, when we were younger, um, but it's all pretty... I don't know if I want to use the word self-made, but like we don't, when we write music, we don't really think about music theory or like uh, putting like songs or when you write a song, you have to put it into this box or have this um, like recipe for a song. We just kind of just try to write what we feel like. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal 2022 which will be happening in my hometown, Montreal, on September 2nd at Corona Theatre. This year's event features Deicide performing their classic album Legion in its entirety, alongside Cataclysm, who will be performing their classic album Serenity and Fire in its entirety, as well as with Inhuman Condition, and I am very stoked to announce that we have added the powerhouse undeath to brutal montreal 2022 i can't be more stoked about this tickets for brutal montreal 2022 are flying trust me if you want to come to this year's event you should pick up your tickets now via the link in the description of this podcast because it is going to sell out and you're going to miss out on the chance to hang out with me and enjoy life metal and craft beer in my hometown of montreal it's gonna be a blast. Don't miss it. I'm very stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that just loves metal, loves extreme metal, loves thrash metal, loves deathcore, loves metal. Well, do me a favor and let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcasts exists. You can tell them that there are over 350 episodes where I hang out with some of the world's best metal musicians, and that's the absolute truth, and we talk all about their lives and music while enjoying a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today I'm very stoked to be back with Enrique Emilialist of Convent. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 357. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I am back with Rike Emilia List of Convent. Uh, Rike, you were one of the first, if not top ten, uh, pandemic interviews that I did remotely like this. And uh, here we are, two years later, hanging out again. Before we start recording, I said, oh, it's a shame that we're doing this like this again and not face to face. But I'm, I am happy to hang out with you again. Uh, how have you been doing? Let's start with the simple. How are you doing on this? This It's Saturday. And uh, how are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, I've had uh, like this interview is my only plan for this weekend. And it suits me very well. Uh, <laughs> we just got back from tour. Um, so really needed a like a quiet weekend off and then like the next many weekends we have uh festival plans and show plans and yeah well, i'm happy that it worked out i'm happy that uh i am your only plans of the weekend uh i it, it is an honor to 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 disrupt your restful weekend to hang out with me to to enjoy life metal and craft beer again uh let's jump into the shittiest question the one that i like to ask uh, i did ask you last time but it was so fresh and it was so new and it was really, really scary at that point. Uh, the fear has died down a little bit. We understand what the hell's going on a bit more. Uh, how have you been coping with the glorious year of 2021 and uh, half of 2022? You've been pretty busy, but uh, how have you been coping during these glorious times? Uh, very up and down. I think um, in the beginning of uh, 21, uh, we were still writing uh, our latest album. Mm-hmm. And our rehearsal space got closed, uh, got shut down for five months. Um, and I mean, we can do a lot of things uh, from home, like writing riffs and writing lyrics. But at some point, you just really need to put on drums. And uh, none of us live <laughs> anywhere where you can have like a drum kit in the in the living room. 
Um, so yeah, that was pretty frustrating and just not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, uh, just, yeah, not knowing if, uh, if, uh, everything was going to be closed down for like, uh, five months as it was or 10 months or, uh, what was going to happen. So I think that was pretty, pretty scary. Um, but yeah, we, we managed to finish the, the album, uh, and record it, uh, last year and, uh, this year we released it and we were so lucky to finally go on this tour, um, that we just, uh, yeah, got back from. So, uh, yeah, all in all, it's been started out scary, but, uh, I think it's, yeah, like right now we're on a, a more positive note, I think. I like that, and I've been following the progress of Convent since the beginning, and I'm just so damn stoked uh, at how much you've blown up since our last conversation. The hype was there, but now everyone else seems to have also jumped on the hype train of Convent, and that makes me very, very happy for you. Uh, Vox and Hops, as you know it, is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lies, music, and craft beer. Uh, So what beer do you have on your side that we're going to be sharing virtually this time? Last time it was a Kiss Mayor. I wonder what you yes. have this time. Uh, this time it's uh, an implosion mm-hmm. uh, by the Danish company uh, Toil, uh, which means two beers. Uh, and it's actually a non-alcoholic uh, beer this time, because uh, as I said, we just got back from tour and um, uh, alcohol and I, we... Uh, we had a very close relationship on that tour. Uh, so, but, but now we're on a small break. That's good. <laughs> That's good. It's important to, to listen to your body and to take care of yourself and to find that balance. And, and it is something that's intense on the road. Mm-hmm. Every night yeah. is a fun, fun night for the people coming to the shows. And they expect us to have just as much fun as they are having. If it's a Saturday night or a Monday night for them, it's a big night. But for us, it's another day at work, a fun day at work. But sometimes that can get a bit out of hand and you need to rest when you get home. Uh, I learned that when I went to go play a show two weeks ago in Winnipeg. I had a lot of fun, uh, specifically at this brewery, uh, Sukram's Brewing uh, from Winnipeg. Uh, we did a pre-fest party there. I went there afterwards. They basically fueled the entire festival. The Manitoba Metal Fest was like packed with Sukram brews. Um, so yeah, I had to take a few days off when I came home from that as well. This is plot twist <laughs> uh, from Sukram's Brewing. It's a coffee pilsner, which is uh, pretty cool. 5%. Uh, I like uh, putting coffee in everything. I like coffee and it's 1 p.m. for me. So why not? I'm going to crack this <laughs> and I would love, love, love to dig into the evolution of your craft beer palate. I like to ask this question when I have return guests. Have you changed uh or evolved since our last conversation uh in craft beer are are you more of enthusiast have you stepped away uh talk to me about what's been going on in craft beer in your life recently uh actually i think it's a pretty boring story because uh, as you mentioned yourself i think that i have uh, sort of stepped down a bit um i think it's a mix of you know being in lockdown haven't been out that much within the past two years uh, I also live with uh, my boyfriend who doesn't drink alcohol, so we just n- never really have alcohol at home. Like sometimes I'll have the odd like glass of wine or like a beer if I really feel like it. But yeah, but yeah, a mix between those two things, and then yeah, went out on tour, and then it got completely out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's the yin and the yang, Ricky. You, you got to find the yin and the yang. Uh, cheers! Yeah, to you. I'm still searching. <laughs> I'm happy to be cheers. hanging out with you again. Cheers. You too. So it's got the Pilsner on the nose. I, I'm not feeling coffee right away on the nose. Maybe a little bit. But on the mouth, it's like a bang of coffee bite, bitter bite. Super smooth. Yeah, what's it like compared to like coffee stout? Exactly. So so a coffee stout would be more malty and caramel and chocolatey, whereas this is more uh, cereal forward, more crisp, uh, more dry, uh, much less sweet. And then the coffee just comes and gives it a nice little bitter snap. Really, really cool. A shout out to Andrew and uh, the rest of the crew at Sukrams for being so damn cool and uh, hooking me up with this brew. I like it very much. Very, very cool. Uh, I would love to talk about the Convent Pop. That's what I wrote down here. Uh, the explosion. Uh, I just had Alexander Jones from Undeath on. I sort of have the same vibe as 
on death with convent different genres different pops different hype explosions but still similar being that you guys were just on the cusp when i had you on the podcast the first time and now here we are the second time and the band has just exploded uh take take me through exploding during a pandemic that's that's yeah not, that doesn't <laughs> happen very often and it must have been confusing and scary <laughs> yeah i i don't think it yeah i mean the pandemic has been scary but i we're all just so excited about yeah the band and we really want to see where we can uh where we can take this um i think t- uh 2022 is already a bit of a fun year for us or like a weird year because we can finally go out and do a lot of the shows that have been pers- postponed for like three or two years so we have a lot of those coming up this summer and we have some new shows uh, added on uh, for the fall. Also, our guitar uh, guitarist Sarah, she uh, had a baby. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so that's the first. Wow. Um, yeah, so we uh, we we still have to learn how to navigate that. It's, um, yeah, it's like an extra level. And this is a you know, I've had a baby and then gone on tour, but to have the baby and then go on tour. Yeah, but uh, she didn't go on tour with us. We were so lucky to find a, a, a substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, a uh, really amazing guitarist uh, called Sophie, uh, Sophie Lake, um, who has played in like a black metal band. She has a punk band on the side, just such a skilled guitarist. And we're just so lucky that she wanted to go on tour with us. And and she just fit right into the group dynamics. Um, so important to, to, to find a, a fill-in person. We have Dom Grimard that steps in for Ollie because he's so busy with cattle mm. nowadays. But to have just someone that, like a puzzle piece. Yeah. There's so many edges that has to fit. Exactly. <laughs> to make the band, you know, you have to be cool. That's like the, this little yeah. nub there. And then the little inside thing is you have to be able to play the songs. And then you have to, you know, not be someone that gets too drunk and drinks everyone else's beer. At least not my beer. <laughs> and then you just have to be cool. Like it's, 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 it's very, very complex yeah. to, to replace someone. So, so congrats to Sarah. And uh, she got to finish the the she was she was basically birthing two babies. Yeah. When creating the album. Yeah. Yeah. I think she gave birth like uh, was it uh, a week or something after we released the, the album or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, yeah pretty fun timing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been uh, so weird because we didn't get to see the baby until like two months after he was born because then we had to go on tour and just so many things uh, were happening all at once. So, but we finally got to meet him and see Sarah again. That was just a pretty big experience. It's, it's family. Eh? Band, we're band, yeah. bandmates. Uh, we're family. We, we love each other. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the band, we called each other, we called each, each, each other, you know, our, like the other girls are my wives and <laughs> like, we're just married. <laughs> Basically you signed a contract together. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the pop, uh, this, uh, like as you're in it, I, I imagine it's difficult to see it happening. But is there like a, a specific moment where where you like, oh shit, convents at the next level now? Um, I think that's a that's a hard question to answer because I feel like, uh, yeah, this year we were playing a lot of uh, shows that were planned a long time ago. Yeah. But I think we're just very, very excited to see what 2023 mm-hmm. holds for us because, yeah, hopefully it's a lot of, uh, yeah, new tours and new shows. And hopefully we can, I don't know, uh, leave Europe and try and play outside of Europe. That would be huge for us. Come to North America. Yeah, <laughs> we really want to. Come on, Napalm. Let's get let's get convent in North America, please. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, um, but I I think it's definitely not off the table. Uh, but of course, our booker has been completely stressed out for mm. the you know the past it's, two years and just yeah, mindless the amount of changes they've gone through. Uh, when you were watching, like you've been booked on these festivals, and I've seen it happen to other people, so I wonder if it happened to you guys. Did you see your logo like climb up the flyer as, as the new evolutions of the flyers came out? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, actually. Uh, but then again, we're playing uh, Mystic Festival in Gdansk in Poland next week, and uh, they didn't didn't put us on the the poster at all. Oh no, <laughs> don't mistake. Come on, Paul. Yeah, I think that's probably on, a mistake. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's like you win some, you lose some. <laughs> it's the number one rule that uh, mega uh, 
Cryptopsy's front of house tour manager. When we're in Europe, he's also the agonist's uh, front of house as well. Uh, the best thing that he ever taught me, he's like, Matt, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but you still have to show up to the fight, right? It's a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly. not you know, when things are not in your control, what what are you supposed to do? So mm. <laughs> So there's no specific <laughs> moment you don't think. There's no cuz you know Convent just started as a passion project and it just got picked up and then it's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and you have to imagine like and people say this about Lorna Shore how they they've popped as well, but they've been doing it for a long long time in comparison to Convent and that's no disrespect. I'm just imagining someone studying this from the outside would love to know what the secret is. And obviously there is no secret, but if you could pick a secret as to why convent's working so well, what would it be? Another hard question. (laughs) Um, Oh, it could be many reasons. I think, I think maybe the, the charm about convent is that uh, none of us has gone to like music college. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course we've had uh, lessons in, um, various forms uh when we were younger um but it's all pretty i don't know if i want to use the word self-made but like we don't when we write music we don't really think about music theory mm-hmm. or like uh putting like songs or you, when you write a song you have to put it into this box or have this um like recipe for a song we just kind of i don't know just try to write what we feel like and yeah, I mean, Sarah and Heidi, they, they write the riffs that they feel like writing, and then uh, Sarah's riffs are always pretty odd. Like, they uh, they don't really take the drums in into uh, into account, and um, yeah, but I think that's, it, it's, it's hard work for Julie, our drummer, <laughs> to make the drums fit <laughs> and to work with it, <laughs> but like, in the end, it's, it's totally worth it, because... I don't know. Sarah just writes funny riffs, hmm. um, and uh, and and we absolutely love that about her. It's it's interesting to come at that that way too. To have it be so unorthodox, un uncalculated, and not normal. It, it, it does create like mm. a new atmosphere for you guys to build yeah. upon, which is which is the the charm of Convent. I think that's very very cool. Anyone listening, you got to find you got to find the thing, people. There's 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 something, and you have to make it your own. And, and find your yeah. own identity and you can't want to be someone else. That, that, mm. That's the secret. Uh, last time we spoke together, we did not talk about the first show that you went to go see. Do you remember the very first show that you went to go see? I think that must have been, uh, well, like way back in the nineties. Um, I don't know if he's, uh, if, if he's canceled now, but, uh, Michael Jackson was mm-hmm. playing in, in Copenhagen and like, we didn't have tickets or anything. Um, for the show, but it was, you know, it was a huge deal. I mean, fame in the nineties was, you know, absolutely mindful. It was like, it was like, uh, famous people were sort of like gods somehow. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was huge. And I remember the night that he was playing, um, my dad asked like, should we, I don't know, get in the car and like drive by the venue and just like, I don't know, stand outside and hear if we can hear it like from from outside just just to like witness just to be there yeah yeah just to be there yeah and uh, i was game like i wanted to go and and my sister she didn't want to go so my dad and i we jumped in the car and we uh, went to uh, the venue then we got outside and we were standing a bit and then this uh i think it's called like a bookie uh came up to us and was like hey hey guys you want to buy some tickets (laughs) um and my dad had forgotten his wallet uh he was like Damn, I've I I don't have my wallet. I think he was offering like some discount or something like that. Because the show had already started. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like halfway through or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then my dad was like, oh, "I forgot my wallet." Like, damn, that, this is such a shame. And the boogie was like, "You know what? It's been it's been a while now. Uh, I don't think I'm gonna sell these tickets. You know what? You can just have them." Wow. And and they worked, and we got in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and I was uh, I was so young. I don't know, like seven, eight years old or something. So going into that venue, it was a huge stadium, uh, and going into the venue, it, it was a like pretty frightening experience, like because What's people loud? were going crazy, and yeah, and when you're a little kid. Uh, but we were there for a few songs, I think, and I still remember it, and I just have this memory of 
like him like dancing on stage and then he throws his hat into the crowd and just seeing that sea of people diving into uh it was like a like a whirlpool had opened uh <laughs> in the middle of the floor <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah just completely mind-blowing but uh we weren't there for that long then i was like dad it's scary can we leave oh yeah oh. <laughs> yeah yeah so i can really really regret that to this day but you know you're a kid wow <laughs> yeah i think that was my first experience with live music wow that that's that's a big one it's hard to top that and um michael is canceled uh but uh, <laughs> was a big star definitely sang some good hits not a nice person but uh <laughs> um i find myself doing that a lot i go to shows now and i will watch the band obviously but i really enjoy watching a crowd especially when the band has them i don't know if you do that as like a front person uh looking out at the crowd and like watching other performers just totally dominate a crowd i don't know if that's something you do um i actually don't think i no no i don't think i do that um i think i notice when the communication with the crowd sort of goes wrong <laughs> uh if there's a lead singer who's like he wants the show to be like this mm -hmm. but the show is completely opposite or like he wanted to be the craziest show ever and there's only like 10 people and like it's a monday and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah they just want to stand and listen to the music and so I think I notice it more when when the lead singer or the band doesn't really adapt to <laughs> to the actual crowd, but they're sort of playing for a, an imaginative crowd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so some artists perform the same show every show, and and I've toured with people that do this. It's okay, but it's, it's always nicer when when like an artist and kind of caters the experience to each crowd. And I think that's something when you connect with an audience, it's important to do that. It's making every audience basically its own unique conversation and i think that's super important as a to dominate a crowd to connect with a crowd uh, well what steps have you taken there's a, you have a lot of big shows coming up you have played a lot of shows um do you remember your first time on stage the last time we spoke about you how you developed your voice developed your growl you took some lessons uh you 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 connected with someone at a show and he gave you some lessons do you remember your first time on stage performing extreme vocals and, and what that feeling was like uh, were you as afraid as you were when you were seven and you saw michael jackson or were you more comfortable um yeah i definitely remember the first time on stage um because i was uh, i was uh, shaking uh, just uncontrollably before uh, i don't think i've ever been so nervous in my life um uh, but we, uh, yeah, everybody in the band was just terrified. Um, so, but but we did it and we went up on stage. And I think we were just extremely lucky to have, like, a, uh, the, the crew at the venue were so nice. Uh, the bands that we were playing with that day were also so nice and very supportive. Um, some of our friends from Copenhagen had, had went all the way to uh, surprise us to, you know, show their support. And that was just really amazing and overwhelming um yeah to just yeah feel supported and be like okay even if you go up and we mess it up like at least we have all these people who who want the best for us and then we went up and we did it and we had like the longest breaks between each song <laughs> because like, none of us like we hadn't talked about okay who's gonna start this song who's gonna like when should i say something and so, yeah, I think the crowd must have been a bit like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, your first show was a big show, if I remember. Am I, am I wrong there? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, maybe there was, has have been like, uh, I think there was maybe, I don't know, 100 people, 200 mm -hmm. people or something. Which yeah, is, which it was is like a good a, way to start. Yeah, yeah, it was in the <laughs> fourth fourth biggest uh, city in, uh, in Denmark. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely yeah, I remember saying hearing that uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, so you, obviously you guys got a lot better at, at organizing your set lists and how the show is going to go on turning a, a list of songs into a performance uh, how have you evolved your your frontmanship uh, how have you evolved your communication with the crowd and how much do you actually think about that do you actually think about that because it's something I think about 
Yeah, I do. Uh, definitely. It's something that we talk about in the band. Like we agree like, okay, after two songs, I should probably say something before the last two songs. Uh, I should say something depending on if we're going to do an encore or not. Um, and I like to, you know, depending on the crowd, uh, maybe take something from the crowd or if like, if there's a person in the front who's being particularly enthusiastic, then acknowledging that or I remember on this tour, I I saw a guy in a, a 1914 t-shirt in the back and I just like gave him a shout out on stage and like said that that was really cool because we were supposed to be on tour with 1914, but because of obvious reasons, they, they couldn't make it. And uh, the band Implore, who uh, took their place, they had a, a donation box uh, by their merch stand and I just like acknowledge this guy that he was wearing this t-shirt and just ask the crowd if they could spare like a euro or something then there was this box and it was going to go to ukrainian uh charity and stuff like that i've seen you crowd surfing yeah yeah uh yeah i love it when i can do that um <laughs> but i think it was it was only like twice on this tour um so yeah you can see that um people are still a bit reluctant to go to shows and still, we haven't had a lot of like sold out venues, um, but hopefully that's just going to be a question of time. Mm -hmm, Maybe definitely. next year it's going to be way be better and people are going to, you know, miss the shows even more. And yeah, hopefully we're going <laughs> to go back to normal. Um, but yeah, let's see. Soon, soon. But it is a funny thing when you, when you, you have in your mind, you're like, I'm going to crowd surf. And then you have, there's like a whole bunch of things you have to go through in your mind before you take the leap <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> while still singing and figuring things and knowing like keeping track of where you are in the song and then you have to like where am i going to put my feet <laughs> can i make that jump <laughs> yeah are they going to catch me <laughs> if they don't how many people are filming that are going to capture this <laughs> video <laughs> of me face planting yeah at least at least make it look cool <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a complex thing making that decision so hopefully they're you know when the when the venue sold that it, it sort of just makes a lot of those check marks <laughs> at least the will they catch me one a little bit more uh, probable yeah. because they're so tight together <laughs> yeah uh, you guys dropped call down the sun uh via napalm records on march 11th uh, talk to me about this new record talk to me about uh what changed? Is, is there anything that changed for yourself preparing for this record versus the previous one? Uh, I'm neck deep in writing new lyrics and placing lyrics for the new Cryptopsy, so it's like really in my mind right now. I was like literally doing it about 20 minutes before we started this uh, for another song for the new Cryptopsy. So to talk to me about this record, what did you apply differently? Did you apply something differently or did you go by the motto, if it ain't broke, why fix it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we could have done that because we received a lot of really positive feedback on the first uh, record. But that meant that we also had a lot of, um, okay, we had really high standards for ourselves um, and high expectations for ourselves uh, for the next one. And we all agreed that we all wanted um, to challenge ourselves uh, even more because we really wanted people to, I don't know, see or notice or hear uh, that we had developed because I think we're still at a stage where there's a lot of developing to be done. Like I'm happy with the place that we are, but we can definitely do more, I think, or try new things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we sort of set some challenges for ourselves and, and I think, yeah, I think we were a bit afraid of how people were going to receive the album because the writing process had been obstructed uh, so much because of COVID. And even though we were at home, um, the hard follow-up It's so album. stressful. I'm so <laughs> yeah. glad that my first record with Cryptopsy wasn't successful. I can only get better. <laughs> <laughs> had it been a super big success, that, that, that follow-up yeah. would have been so stressful. And, and the follow-up yeah. question, it's... it's were there moments like you guys wrote stuff and then you were like, no, this is not good enough and you scrapped it and you had to keep going? Uh, yeah, that definitely was uh, times where we did that and like riffs that we tried working with that just ended in the in the no pile. Mm. Yeah. And what What is people's ego in those situations? Most bands, it tends to be for the good of the band, 
but sometimes there's certain riffs that people really you know champion and they want that riff yeah yeah how did everyone cope with with their babies being thrown in the no pile (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so a long time ago we learned that uh there's uh, like we it's it's not called no it's called let's try and work with it (laughs) (laughs) how can we change it so much that it's not your riff at all anymore (laughs) yeah something like that and and just i mean just acknowledging that person's work Mm -hmm. and saying okay we're gonna try let's try and put some drums on it let's try and um uh put this riff after the other ones that we have or in between or like let's try and place it in um you know in the song that we're writing and i mean at some point everybody sort of acknowledges that okay this just doesn't work but you 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 exhaustively try to make it fit yeah we we've tried and I think just yeah, acknowledging that person's work and say okay, but we've tried everything now, and and that person can say well, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, we've we've tried everything, and and I can see now that it doesn't work. How different was this than previous? Like, did you do you guys typically write in a room together? Um, so it works best if uh, everybody is just like writing at home, like in their own safe space, and without uh, a lot of people watching them and. Uh, you know, with no pressure. And then um, Sarah or Heidi will send us uh, their riff ideas and Julie and I will sort of think about it and like figure out, okay, what can we write? And then, yeah, Julie will try and put on some drums and we'll figure out, okay, how many times should this riff uh, repeat itself and how should the drums like build up and all that. And while that's happening, I'm sort of thinking about, okay, what should the lyrics be about and where can I actually put the words? Um, Interesting. Because you guys sort of sound like a jam band. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Do you have the vibe of, of, of it, like the, the ritualistic repetition of stuff you guys sort of feel like that so it's interesting that you don't write in that context yeah no we, we tried doing that but it it didn't work it was too <laughs> stressful <laughs> the pressure was on <laughs> it's the, everyone's eyes on you <laughs> yeah so do you write and then you take all your stuff and then you know where you're going to put your lyrics you you finally get your lyrics done and then you submit demo takes to the to the band or do you jam it out at that point with them how, how, do, how do they finally hear your voice on the music um, so it's like, um, like we build the small blocks together. So yeah, uh, the riffs will be there at first and then we'll meet up at the, uh, rehearsal space and then work on the drums and I'll sit in the couch and be a lazy singer and just <laughs> with a beer and like, listen and go, Hmm, yeah, where should I put the lyrics? And uh, then I'll go home and write. And then the next time we meet up, then we'll have hopefully, yeah, the riffs and the drums and some lyrics, maybe some placeholder lyrics, if I haven't figured out something. And then we try to write like the next part of the song. And so it's like, so it's like riff, drums, vocals, riff, drums, vocals. But for each section, not for a song in general. Yeah, kind of. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, um, I don't know how to explain it in English, but, but like a continuous like work um, flow. Interesting. It's interesting. I've, I've never thought of building a song that way. That, that's uh, <laughs> the, the charm of Convent. <laughs> I like it. I think it's interesting. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode.
something that uh, I helped uh, introduce you to. I'm not sure if anything has come of it as of yet. Uh, there, and if things have happened and you can't talk about them, I completely understand and respect that. Of course, I'm talking about the Monster Factory. Uh, the wonderful Sebastian Carato uh, runs uh, a group of extreme metal vocalists uh, for to do voices for movies, TV, video games. Uh, I'm a part of it, and so are a hundred other extreme metal vocalists from around the globe. And, Erika, you are a part of the Monster Factory. Talk to me about your experience uh, with the Monster Factory. If you can, talk about stuff, because I know there's a lot of uh, NDAs that we've, we've signed and we can't talk about much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, all in all, I've just had a really nice experience with, uh, you know, uh, the with the, talking with the Sebastian and uh, yeah, just uh, the other people involved. Um, so, uh, but uh, like, no jobs have ticked in yet. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe um, like video games in Danish is not really that big a thing over here. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if uh, if many jobs will tick in. Um, but yeah, I don't have anything that I'm working on right now that I can't talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting what he's done is that he's found extreme vocals from different countries so that if the game, say the Monster Factory gets hired to do the English version and the French version, because we have a, we're from Montreal and we have both English and French here, uh, when the game gets translated into different languages, there would be extreme vocalists that can speak that language that would be able to pull it off just as good as all the rest of us could. So you're, you've been enlisted in case a game ever gets translated into Danish, which is super yeah. cool, which will, it will happen. Video games are cool and Danish people must like video games. It's coming. Yeah. Finger, fingers crossed. It's something that I would love to do. <laughs> I, I, I have a blast doing it. It's, it's, it's like really different than anything doing stuff for bands. I find it easy. It's, it's, we can scream for hours, right? So it's, it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun to just step in a room with a bunch of other metal vocalists and pretend to be zombies for for yeah. a, a Friday <laughs> afternoon. It was it was it was a lot of fun and lots and lots of fun. Um, yeah. You got to play a bunch of shows, but there was a period of time that you didn't get to play shows. Uh, how did you fill the void of performing? I'm very very lucky that I get to sit here. Right before I sit down here, I'm worried, uh, is my internet going to work? Am I going to connect? Am I going to remember what I asked Rike last time I had her on? Uh, am I going to, you know, are we going to have, this is how I've been filling the void of, of performing. Uh, how did you do that when you weren't playing shows? Um, well, so uh, in the beginning of, um, of COVID, um, I, uh, I, I got a job. I got a full-time job. I uh, I uh, got a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that took up a lot of my time. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I spent a lot of time on that, and then yeah, just I don't know, staying at home, watching movies, <laughs> watching Netflix. <laughs> it's good yeah. It feels good. Yeah. We yeah we went to a couple of shows, but. Yeah, had the whole COVID experience with, you know, sitting down and wearing uh, masks and all that. But uh, yeah, then then everything was open, then everything closed down again. And it's kind of, it, it came like in waves. Mm -hmm. I, I hope that, that the waves are subsiding and that yeah, life absolutely. comes back to normal. It, it feels yeah. that way here in Montreal right now. So I hope it keeps going in this direction. Yeah, me too. We had, um, so on the, on the tour that went on, it was like a first two weeks and then a break and then two weeks again. And on the first two weeks, we were qu quite worried about COVID. I had recently had it, so I wasn't that worried, but some other uh, people in the, in the, in the bus, they haven't had it yet. So they were pretty worried, uh, which I totally get. But on the second leg of the tour, it just didn't cross my mind at all. Like, it was as if it was just gone. Yeah, at that time. So, yeah, it's funny how fast you can adapt to just a new agenda. Well, it's, it's, it sounds like we're just ripping the pages out and we're back to where we used to be. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that is the way it keeps going. Uh, something mm. that I've been wanting to do for you, but I haven't done for you as of yet, uh, is create a, a convent beer. But there was a convent beer. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, I had a, as I was writing this out, I had a flash. I'm like, oh shit, they did. Uh, <laughs> it was Royal Export. Am, am I correct with that? They, they, they made yes, actually, yeah. a bunch of Danish artists. Cabal had one. 
you guys oh, yeah, had yeah. one what, what, what was yeah. the story behind this it was like a fundraiser am i crazy uh yeah yeah so um th- they were just uh they were thinking a lot about these bands who uh, were like standing in front of like their breakthrough or like had just released a records or something and had all their shows taken away from them uh, because of COVID. And yeah, they just wanted to do some uh, collaborations with a lot of different bands, a lot of different genres, like 15 different bands uh, in all types of genres. And, um, and yeah, they just, uh, they, they didn't brew like a new beer for us, but like just putting a label on, on, yeah, the beer that already existed and then did a lot of promotion. And, uh, we played a show that they set up and yeah, they just, uh, print a lot of like, uh, posters for buses and stuff like that. And they were just like, Hey, remember to support these bands. And, uh, we're trying to, we want to make a difference for like the music, um, for these bands who were up and coming um, before COVID hit. So yeah, that was a fun uh, project to be involved with. Good for them. Good for them to, to, it's a big beer company to, to do that. It's like not a small craft thing. It's like a, it's a big beer company. I wouldn't even call it craft beer, but, uh, and I have drank a bunch of them playing uh, in Arhus. Arhus. What was the venue there in Arhus? Uh, was it Vauxhall? Yes, exactly. Or Atlas? At Vauxhall. Yeah. 100% Vauxhall. Yeah. I drank a lot of <laughs> real exports there, <laughs> as, as things tend to happen on tour, as we mentioned earlier. But <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but if you could make your own, like where it's brewed, uh, an actual convent beer, um, I've had something tinkering in my mind for convent for a while. Uh, I love the Danish craft beer scene. I'd love to step my feet over there with a collab with Convent. Uh, what what style of beer would you make it, and what would you call it? Uh, it's uh, funny because I always imagine it being four different uh, beers because we're pretty different in the in the band. So, uh, like, I would definitely have some sort of uh, maybe Yuzu IPA, and Julie would definitely just just have a straight up Pilsner, like no. No funny business, just yeah, straight up old fashioned pilsner. And for Heidi, it would definitely be um, be a cider. Yeah, because she's not a big beer person, uh, but she loves ciders. And for Sarah, that would probably be yeah, something like the Unibrew beer or something like that. Maybe a like a more powerful one. Nice Belgian uh, she, double. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, definitely the the beer connoisseur of the band. Really? Yeah, like yeah, big uh, beer. Yeah, you have the wrong girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, 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 you've been my friend the longest that's why <laughs> when, 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 when Napalm says uh, do you want to talk to Convent I was like I'll talk to Convent again I like that um, <laughs> a new segment bringing it in right now um, I think it's important uh, we are tough metalheads but uh, that doesn't mean that we don't have emotions that doesn't mean that we don't go through tough times uh, I want to talk about mental health I want to talk about how you deal with darkness if ever you're not feeling 100 percent, what steps do you take that makes you feel better and as a follow-up question how would you want your friends to approach you if they felt that you were not doing well uh that's such a good question um so definitely when i um, am feeling uh like that i have a tendency to sort of turn it inwards and kind of not asking for help because I just I've developed this habit throughout like from my childhood and like from my life that it must be my fault um so like I should deal with it but uh I've been like going to therapy like on and off since I was 21 and I've seen a a regular uh, therapist for the past two years uh who's been really really good um and yeah that's that definitely helps I think yeah, I think everybody should be a, uh, be assigned a therapist. <laughs> Everyone should be a human. Yeah. It's normal to have feelings. It's normal to feel vulnerable. As evil and as metal as we can be up on stage, we're still humans at heart. And it's important to, to speak and to be heard. And if there's no one in your life that can act as a therapist, maybe it's best to get one for yourself. And how that's cool. In, in Denmark, it's like, I imagine it's like in Canada where that's covered by the the government yeah it's uh yeah you can you can uh, apply for uh, for financial help um but the waiting lists here are just absolutely insane us too free things tend to take time yeah. sadly yeah. yeah i'm still waiting yeah, for so a family doctor 
no. <laughs> that's not true. I have one, but uh, but uh, <laughs> if I if I didn't get the in, I'd still be waiting. Is you know, not everything is perfect, but it is important to to talk about the way you're feeling and to to reach out to your friends when you think they're not okay. Uh, how, how do you how do you respond when a, if a friend does hit you up saying, "Are you okay?" Is that something that snaps you out of it? Is it something that allows you to vent a little bit because you know that they're there for you? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I've had many experiences with someone asked if I was okay. And I was like, mm, like, you know what? Actually, I'm not. I'm actually worrying about like this and this and this. And it, like, it's like the worries are just there. But I never really like question why they're there or or go, oh, I must do something about it because... I don't know. I just worry about everything all the time. <laughs> um, but definitely in regards to how you should uh, approach people, you know, I think it can be it can be tough. Like if you could, if you observe that your friend is uh, not doing well and you don't know how to handle it, but maybe just think about some simple questions. You know, you don't have to be a therapist to help your friend, but just and just acknowledging and just by your presence or your concern saying, okay, I'm, I'm here for you. People are actually worrying about you or people care about you. Um, just by asking, how are you today? Like is some, is, do you have something on your mind? Hmm. Uh, that's a good, like op- open, open-ended questions. Yeah. 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 Just, uh, yeah. And it can just be like the simplest questions. It doesn't have to be, uh, like, uh, a full analysis of, uh, your friend's uh, mental health or, their childhood or (laughs) their relationship with their dad or anything like that. Just uh, like if you're worried about a friend and you don't know how to talk about it, just maybe figure out like three very simple questions. Like it doesn't need, you don't have to, you know, be a rocket scientist uh, to show that you care about your friends. Mm, And I think the most important thing is just listening. Once, once you do open those, those three simple questions, it's important not to talk at that point mm. and let the person yeah. have the space yeah and not necessarily try to come up with a solution because no. they probably don't even want a solution at that point yeah mm. yeah excellent excellent points i think it's important uh it's a new segment I, i'm gonna keep bringing it up because uh we lost a good one a few weeks ago and yeah definitely uh yeah that was uh that was a hard show to get through um we were in uh Bielsen in uh, in Belgium uh, when we got the news and we were just all sitting outside and it was like in between some of the bands uh, and we were just all in shock and uh, our tour manager he he uh, he knew Trevor like not as a close friend but they had performed together before and like he'd had some contact with him and and he was really uh, shaken by it and. Yeah, so it it felt a bit weird, like going on stage and having to, you know, perform when you just receive some news like that. Put the mask on. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, we uh, we gave him a shout out like during the set and just said like, okay, tonight we play for Trevor. He was a good and, one. He, like, was, he was one of the best. That's all so. we can do. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know him, never talked to him, but he just seemed like such a nice guy. I mean, he's just someone that everybody knows. He was the best. Rest in peace, bud. Um, yeah. One last question. I already asked you the previous time I had you on, but I am curious if it's evolved. Uh, you are drinking less at home, but you did just have a massive tour that you're recouping from still. I'm curious what your hangover cure was on this tour. Has it evolved? Has it changed since the previous time we were together on this tour? Did you develop, did you develop any new habits to, to make you feel better? Uh, what 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 was your hangover cure on this run? It's so funny that you asked because I was actually thinking about that question when on tour, and <laughs> I think I found the perfect uh, answer. Yes, uh, like the best hangover cure is just playing a show. I feel great after playing a show, even if I've been extremely hungover the whole day and haven't had anything to eat because I've been like nauseous and. Yeah, but also try to drink a lot of water, <laughs> <laughs> which is good as a vocalist too. So, so, so it's a yeah. two, it's a two in one thing there. But that is yeah. true. I have been very badly hungover, and I was playing London, and I was hungover up until I played the show. And then as I played the show, I was like, "Oh, I feel better now. This is okay. I guess I can go again." But I, t- I took it, I took it off that night though. But 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all the adrenaline just mm-hmm. uh, comes in like a like a fist and just like knocks out the <laughs> the hangover from your body. And it's like okay, I can take up all the space now. And yeah, then we walk off stage. You're fine. And then round two, <laughs> round two begins. Enrique, thank yes. you so 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 much for hanging out with me yet again, talking about life, music, craft beer. Uh, I had an absolute blast. I, I really, really appreciate hanging out with you every time. Next time it will be in the flesh, hopefully on a yes. North American tour. If not, I'm over there. We will connect. Enrique, thank you so, so much. It's amazing. Cheers. Cheers. Hey. <laughs> Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, this was an awesome hang. I am just so stoked with how goddamn huge Confident has become throughout the pandemic. From that first chat that we had at the beginning of the pandemic till now, they've just blown up. I am so proud of them. I'm a huge fan, and I cannot wait to hang out with Ricky face-to-face, enjoying a brew, enjoying not a brew, just hanging out. I don't care. I want to hang out with Enrique face-to-face. Massive cheers to you, Enrique. Thank you so much for hanging out with me yet again. If you haven't checked out the new Convent record, do it. Trust me, you're going to like it. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. When you do that, you shall receive one email a month that contains all of the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I've released recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You'll get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. You'll get to see any information about any projects I have in the works before I announce them to the public. And trust me, I always have a bunch of things going on behind the scenes. You also get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. The most extreme, fresh, new music that is dropping every week. Jerry listens to it all somehow and he puts it on the playlist for you to enjoy. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify, the Brutal Awakenings playlist is what you want to be listening to. Trust me, there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. I hate for you to miss a single thing, so sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a killer rest of the week. I will be back next week with two episodes, one on Tuesday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.